Hello, hello. This is The Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime producer and development executive in Unscripted TV. Every week on this podcast, I interview all kinds of people in all facets of the reality TV business. Today, I continue my conversation from last week with Uber producers Eli Holzman and Aaron Sedman. If you missed it, last week we talked all about their backgrounds in TV and film, and this week we dig into the new company they just started a few months ago, and it's called the Intellectual Property Corporation, or IPC. They talk all about why they went back to their indie roots, and they really have a lot of great advice for producers if you're thinking about striking out on your own or if you already have. And of course, we talk about the million-dollar question that always seems to come up, where is this crazy business headed? All right, I think we're finally at the Intellectual Corporation, Intellectual Property Corporation, IPC. IPC. So wh- how, wh- who came up with the name? Why the name? I think you came up with the name of the company. I came up with the name. I have no memory of coming up with the name. I wanted something. <laughs> you were doing something. champagne bongs. <laughs> yeah. I wanted something that sounded like the Rand Corporation, like kind of like intimidating and vague and big. And, and I liked the irony that well, that's what we all do. We make, we manufacture intellectual property. You know, we throw pencils at the linoleum and, and, and out of that somehow is business and jobs get when created. He, when, he, when, he t- when he told me the name, I, I had this like, it, it had this Orwellian feel to it. It had this almost like 1950s industrial manufacturing plant, which was sort of like actually the antithesis of what we were looking to create <laughs> culturally. But I just, I liked the paradox of that. And, and, and it seemed like that would be a fun um, sounds like a big real company that you have to buy for a lot of money one day. Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> feel free. Feel Sheldon free. Yellen. Um, Call so, 1-800. But IP, I mean, I just took it as like everyone wants IP, IP, IP. What's the IP? It's, a, it's like a natural, it it's makes what, complete sense. It's what we do. It's what we did with the 7-5. We right. found a cool story. Right. We turned it into IP and by 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 articulating it in a documentary. I think that's the other smart thing uh, that I really liked about the name was the idea that we're, we're, it's not one medium anymore. There's so much conflation right. between digital and what's a doc series versus a non-scripted show versus a doc feature. And then there's script. So just the idea that we're making content without specifically saying we're a television production company. Well, you we're can't more say television. It's content now. I it's mean, content. I don't even utter the words TV. You know, I mean, I do, but I, I'm old school. I, I still talk. I tell them to play the tape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you put in the? Uh, you used the word rushes earlier in this <laughs> the podcast, rushes, I, yeah. and I adorable I by the way. Um, so, when you guys decide you want to start the company, so like this is more for the listeners. Like, what are the steps? I mean, you have to get invest. I mean, I guess you don't have to get investors, but you did. Like, what, what you know, you leave the building, and then what happens? Well, we we'd been working on the plan for some time. Uh, I've been lucky enough now. I think this is the sixth company I've started. Um, so, uh, and I got to learn from Stephen. Um, and I and I think there is a good uh, systematic approach that that anyone can take. Um, you want to put a good plan together on paper. Um, you guess at how much you can sell, how much you can make, how much money that will make and how, how much money you need to be able to sustain that. Um, do you need an office? What does your team need to look like? And you can and you can model it out and that'll tell you how much money you need. The first time I did it, I, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it with lead in my mechanical pencil and a charge for my BlackBerry and that's all I need. And, you know, I sold a bunch of stuff and, um, but I also, and, and, Three years later, I was making money. That's the other thing. I think it takes about three years, and you have to be ready for that. Um, for 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 uh, because of our track record, because we were so fortunate at uh, Studio Lambert and all three, 
um, we did not have a problem um, with backing. We had we actually had, had a lot of uh, great options, um, and so then it became the difficult choice of okay, what's the best scenario? Um, the other thing that you really need is who's that team? Who's that launch team? I started begging Aaron to join me and browbeating him and questioning him. He was I, wooing. He I, was definitely wooing. I, I used every trick in the book. I guilted him. Wait, seriously? I got mad at him. I, yeah, I, um, well, I like to be wined and dined. No, um, I, Eli, Eli, you know, Eli jumped first. That, right. That's the that's the truth. I wasn't really sure. He had an opportunity to leave contractually. Actually, I did not have oh, okay. an opportunity. And I was under a contract for a little while longer. And I didn't um, have a dream to open my own company. What I learned was, was much of what Eli learned, but I just learned it later that, you know, if you want to have maximum creative influence and you want to make the shows the way you want to make them, well, in non-scripted, actually, you have to have your own company. I'm not sure I ever really wanted my own company. I sort of see it more as a, it's fun, but it's also, I also see it as a necessary evil a little bit in order to be able to do creatively what I want to do. Um, but Eli was uh, certain that he wanted to do it and he sort of jumped first and he actually helped extricate me from all three. Um, <laughs> Jaws of life. Um, and uh, By the way, here's what really happened. I was like, Aaron, I'm doing this. You're in, right? Let's go. We're out of here. And he was like, well, actually, and I was like, wait, what? He was like, well, you know, first of all, I, they might give me your job, which, you know, I got to look. I got to take the meeting. And then he's like, and look, and if I'm taking meetings, I should probably take all of the meetings. And I had to sit there while this guy went and interviewed at he like every shop like around fiddle. town. And there he's were like, no interviews. And, he's like, and by the way, he's like, getting. According to him, he's like, he's getting these jobs. Right. He's like, well, I might want to run a network. I might, I might <laughs> like this job. This studio seems good. They're offering all this stuff. And I'm like losing my mind because I'm like, well, he's the one who's really good at making the TV shows. Like I come up with like a, a massive volume of shitty ideas. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm good at a couple other things. But like he's the one who's really good at making but, the shows. But in fairness, and I'll, I'll give you a very like a very real moment of what was really going on with me. We had been sort of partners in crime for six or seven years at that point. And we had made a lot of television and we had gone on a really great ride. Um, but I hadn't gone on on my own yeah. like he had right. prior to. Scary. And I wanted to first assess what the marketplace thought of just me without Eli Holzman. And that was an important gestalty process that I wanted to go through kind of just to know and have clarity that sort of doubling down on Eli Holzman was the right decision. Instinctively, I kind of knew that it was. I sort of had to drive you crazy for a little bit so I could have that sort of clarity of purpose because if you're going to take a massive pay cut right. and open your doors, and by the way, in what was considered a very, very challenging market. I mean, at the time that we were contemplating it, that. when I ran around to take all those meetings, right. all the people I was meeting with were like, the sky is falling. How are you going to prevent it from falling at our company? Can't wait for you to you know, come <laughs> right. here and do that. And so there was a lot of panic in the yeah. air. And so it wasn't such an obvious move, but I needed to sort of know what sort of how I felt about it before I could 
So it's like commit. you needed the validation that like everyone wanted you before you pulled the trigger. It's like basically. you know dating before the wedding, basically. Yeah, I, I wanted to sleep around with a bunch <laughs> right. of hot girls before I decided to marry like, this like, hot girl. Like, yeah, essentially. Yeah, and I, I is make, that yeah, fair? It's totally fair. <laughs> okay. I, and you, you you never looked so tall and thin when you stand next to me. <laughs> that was the other thing. But you um, guys just took off his wedding ring for the record. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure yeah. what this means. We're breaking up. The, right. uh, no, it's, so, it's an ambiguous relationship. <laughs> I, I, I begged Aaron. I knew we needed a great team. Yeah. The key to there were several keys to our success at um, at Studio Lambert and all three, but it was the fundamentals. I'm a big believer in the fundamentals. So the fundamentals are treat people great. If you if you're if you're a, a money is you know we're all you're gonna have to pay people what they're worth. Okay. Um, in L. A. People care about their commute, but other than that, <laughs> it, are they in a place where they're respected? Yeah. Most of us chose this field because we love it. We're not just making widgets, and so it makes a difference to them if they're making things they're proud of, if they feel like they're contributing, if they feel like they're respected, and so. We went way out of our way to find good people who treated people great and who cared a lot and who worked really hard. And then that team does this great job of making everything terrific. And we, um, so starting again, first of all, you can't hire all those people that work at all three. So you're like, oh, here, all the best ones I know I just hired at this company and now they're there. And we have to start all over again. So step one was beg and browbeat Aaron and guilt him, which finally, after a deluge uh, worked. Uh, and then we set about together finding the rest of our launch team. What we thought was we had till the end of the year. Uh, we, uh, I had told all three that I would stay on till the end of 15 to make sure there was a smooth transition. I felt a real sort of uh, um, uh, debt to the company um, uh, and a duty uh, of sort of care to make sure that it transitioned really smoothly. Our, we had sold lots of shows to our friends and at all the networks and those needed to... Right. We you made a lot made. of promises for stuff that we created in right. many cases. That they you, wanted to see. You wanted those relationships are everything. You look them in the mm -hmm. eye and you're like, I got this. You want to make good on that. Right. Especially so we, when you know you're going to be selling to them again as an independent. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And it's just who we are. So we we're like we'd prom and so we had promised that we'd stay on and we thought therefore we thought we had that much time to figure it all out. Um, and then I got a call saying. Great news. Greg, Greg Lipstone's going to take your job and he could start in two weeks. <laughs> and I went, oh, that is amazing. And I was really happy. Greg is a perfect choice in, in so many ways for that role. And just so um, people know, Greg ran ICM for many years, the unscripted division. And had been our agent. Right. And as our agent, interface with all of the different European companies in the All3 group. And so, you know, All3 is actually very unique as a production company in that it's a it's a collection of different, very independent companies. And with that independence comes all different personalities and all different agendas and being the head of... Uh, this group, this this division that produces for all of them, like there's there's some time that you have to devote to that. Um, and Greg knew them all; they all liked him, so great choice. Um, but as a result, we're like out on our ass in two weeks, which is <laughs> fine. They were gonna like pay us, and obviously it was um, it was fine. But now we suddenly were under the gun, and we needed to scramble, and we needed to find our offices, find our team, close our deal with our investors, and decide whether to start or wait uh, or what. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, and this was this was the this was the fall, right? This, this was, was this past fall. This was yeah. this, right. this, and so the you waited. You waited a few months. We waited um, to officially launch in right. January, right. but I uh, really we we did a lot of very important things in that fall, like finalize with the investors and identify and hire the the sort of small launch team. But most importantly, I think build the slate. 
What are the shows? What are you actually coming out with? And we had bandwidth that we had not had in seven or eight years. Finally, we had time to sit around and think and go down rabbit holes and start all over again. And Which is we, nuts, because when you have 20 series, there's something bad going wrong on one of them every day. Your phone only rings when there's a problem. Right, your fire, right. it's just putting out fires, it's not creating things. All day, and now suddenly we're like, no, let's suddenly sit around. Had, so how does, yeah. what's that process like? Do you put up the big whiteboard and you say, here are the networks we want to target, or do you say, here's my folder of stuff I could never have done at all three, and now let's dig back in? Are you like, here's the talent? Like, I'm just curious how you build the slate as the Eli pitches out all of his shitty ideas. Mm-hmm. I kind of let him do that for a couple of hours, and then we start getting mm-hmm. serious about it. No, we... Uh... <laughs> By the way, that's exactly how it works. <laughs> uh, I, I, we have... The truth is, you do all... You do all... For us, anyway. Yeah. We take every approach that you can it's take. A little bit so of we're all... We're, we're, we're having ideas all the time, um, and we... Uh, culture is important so we try to create an environment i'm i try to be self-deprecating um and it's i'm actually an egomaniac you're doing a great you're doing a great job <laughs> thank you this right? is fake, all an act. No. the fake self-deprecation <laughs> is like kind of your thing i'm the best at that you've I'm cornered the, the market my that. faux humility is <laughs> legendary yeah. legendary the most humble yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, but the truth is that that I, we do that on purpose for a host of reasons. But one of them, creatively, is you know you don't want to fall in love with your own shitty ideas, and you don't want your team telling you, "Oh no, boss, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Let's let's go do that." And so you know we you so want to never listen to us now. It's no, they a nightmare. Never do. <laughs> it's, it's these junior guys, they done. come up with everything. <laughs> we also um, you, it's good to be able to talk about an idea that you haven't fully formed yet. We had a really fascinating discussion earlier today about its subject, and we're like, that isn't the show, but in here somewhere is the show. Um, And and what we found over all these years of doing this is like, generally you're right about that. If you've been doing this long enough and you know there's something Mm -hmm. there. Uh, I remember hearing Tom Beers talk about um, uh, um, uh, Pawn Stars, and he was like, man, I used to drive by that pawn shop in Vegas and I knew there was a show there and I just I never thought about it as this sort of interesting transactional history bidding thing those guys are so smart they cracked it and so that's that's the interesting thing about non-scripted I don't I believe agree. that someone one person everyone's like I created this and I, I created I that I don't think one person goes into a tiny little room and emerges with a with a non-scripted television idea it is usually a kernel or something you're in or someone you came across or an right. article you read right. and then you have to engage an interface with someone else that genuinely gives a shit about helping you make your idea better and from there come great television shows. I completely agree. And you need a culture of people that buy into that way of of working and that philosophy where they're encouraged to do the same and I think that's I think sort of that's where a lot of the great shows come from. We also I'll, I'll say this we also then made a list of all the networks. We did this cool exercise and we applied five filters. Do they have, um, do they make the kind of stuff we like to make? Do they have effective executives? Are they in a good place organizationally at the moment? Are their deals, you know, reasonably yeah. fair? And do they have needs? And uh, Aaron's joke is nobody met, met all those criteria. <laughs> right. So we got out of the We business. got out of the television business. <laughs> but if you, if you got to check in most digital. of the boxes... <laughs> We went and saw you and said, "Hey, we'd love to be work. We we would that was a good place to you know, sort of use our brain power. Yeah. And so we'd it's a good go place to, to start. We yeah. went to those networks, told them that, and they were a lot of them were like." 
cool, here's 50 grand, here's 100 grand. Let's start batting ideas around and figure out how to spend it. Um, well, also executives that know and trust you and have worked with you that are motivated to, you know, I mean, it's all relationships. It's Obviously, it's a right. shitty idea. It doesn't matter, but... No, it's, people you know, buy from people they exactly. like and, and, trust. And, and, and people they trust to deliver. Because but it was, it was important, though, in that period, this is last fall, when we went to them with our sort of strategy pre-launch, you know, uh, some development execs hate blind development deals because you don't get a lot of money and you have to pitch a ton of right, ideas. Right. But actually, at that at that sort of early yeah, stage of our you. company to yeah. do bespoke right. work for them and to have time to really think about them, that that was good for us and it was good for them. Yeah. And so some of those those deals have have you know borne real fruit now. And and I think that was sort of the right strategy at the time. Also, we we. Um... Uh, there was an, a cool moment happening in the business, which is for a couple of years, the head of all three would come to L.A. And each year we do this kind of grand tour and go see that, you know, the, the head of each network. And those were, were fun meetings uh, to be a part of. And we were working on the 7-5 and it had dawned on me that you could make that this type of storytelling was not exclusive to feature docs mm-hmm. and that it could be applied to series. And so when I found myself sitting across from... Uh, Ted Sarandos or, um, uh, uh, or Mike Lombardo or David Nevins, I would say, guys, there's an HBO, au- Netflix. You okay. have an audience um, that likes these high-end feature docs, yeah. and we could give them series that are like that. Don't just think of it as reality TV. And just the way the... Um, drama business the network drama business was in a bit of a doldrums whatever it was 20 years ago and then the sopranos came along and suddenly it was like a damn burst we realized there's this for a smaller audience a higher quality level of show that could be incredibly appealing the same thing was possible in non-scripted so i would like make my pitch to them segue self-servedly into the seven five and they would say yeah sure maybe come back we'll talk about it um well, in the intervening intervening period, the jinx happened right. Making and a murder, murder and yeah. Chef's Table, yeah. And suddenly there's Those are a watershed moment. So, is the seven? Could the seven five be pitched today as a six parter? Hundred yes. percent. Yeah. We realized that as we were finishing. The <laughs> right, film. you're like, damn it. There was this amazing yeah. moment. We were just locking picture, and an article came out in the New York Times about a police captain working in the seven five at that same era. She wasn't in our film at all, but. Um, but there was a, a mention of the case that was covered in this article. There had been, terribly, a massacre at a townhouse in Brooklyn. An entire family, like a dozen people, were put to death. And they left an infant child alive. And this police captain had answered that call. And she was a single woman. And she adopted this little baby and raised her as her daughter. And now it's, you know, 20 years it's on. It's sort of a retrospective catch-up article. This beautiful relationship uh, and this healthy mother-daughter relationship and these two great people that had, the, you know, uh, had come from this tragedy. And we realized, man, you know, that was all happening right when our guys were out, you know, dealing drugs and stealing. And we could have told some of those stories along with the ones that I wish we had time to put in the film. There was a bunch of my favorite stories that aren't in the movie uh, that we cut, you know, for, you know, you got to kill your babies. And right. uh, we realized, oh, we could have made a series. So suddenly that business is here and we have the opportunity. We went, you know, Mark Wahlberg loved the 7-5 and had reached out to us. And we went with him to Mike Lombardo and sold one of our first series. Um, and we're in business. Can you say what that is? Uh, probably not because okay. it hasn't been announced. I mean, okay. shut off the microphones. I'll tell you. Everything. Yeah, I can't um, wait. <laughs> the, uh, but we're we're doing. Um, I'll just talk to Mark. That's cool. also <laughs> that, that's also reflective of a large. You know, the the other attractive thing, at least to me, about 
starting a company in this climate was as scary as maybe it seemed generally speaking to to a lot of our colleagues it's a really interesting moment the business is transitioning and i don't people aren't really sure where it's transitioning to but the opportunity to be to become a part of helping figure out where we're transitioning and what the what that solution is and where that content is going is very very exciting and we had somewhat positioned ourselves well as reliable producers and deliverers of of reality TV content on the one hand but now we had made a doc yeah. we'd made a couple of doc series we had right. done you know the pitch for AMC a series for right. declassified that hasn't come out yet right. that so the now the premium we, stuff that everybody's looking for so we, now that has bigger budgets right and, and if you can kind of yeah. like bridge the gap between yeah. those two worlds suddenly maybe you can help figure out where we're transitioning to as a business so is that what you guys are focusing on if you had to sort of say this is our brand is it premium you know is it concentrating on the Netflix it's three HBO? things okay it's three things we're doing three things because we still love the big 10 we made yeah. million second quiz and yeah. I remember Aaron and I came back from like our lives on hold for a month making <laughs> that show a month and uh, a well, year a year yeah. but a month in New York and yeah. we were like screw little shows these yeah. big shows yeah are and the awesome. networks are sticking around <laughs> live TV yeah. is exhilarating yeah. you know when you're getting it's t- exciting. when they're counting you in <laughs> right. and like you know and like come hell or high water you gotta you gotta broadcast I was a network producer I mean I was a line producer for news so yeah it's so six exhilarating six o'clock comes you're either on or off the truck <laughs> is screaming at you yeah. where's the tape yeah. I'm like what's the truck like right, it's a yeah. whole it's like broadcasting <laughs> It's a little bit of an experience. <laughs> but we love that. We love Undercover Boss yeah. we're, and any number of different cable shows that we've made. Um, we're really proud of. And so we're not turning our back on that. So the company IPC yeah. does three things. Um, uh, quality reality television of every variety. And look, there are certain shows that are that you just that they're just we're just not that good at making them. We're not great at making housewives. We're not great at making a plastic surgery competition show. And you made true Tory. We made true Tory, but you know and guilty and pleasure. Very but but I, by the way, I, I, I an authentic already... doc with Tory spelling. Amazing. Not uh not the type of show that totally. a celebrity typically does. It's true. Um and by the way, Greg Goldman Greg does Goldman deserves, deserves a ton of credit for that show. For that, and yeah. so like Yes, we're, we've been a part of, uh, you know, Chris Lee Knows Best is a, right. a great Maverick. docu-show, but that's Adam, uh, you know, that's uh, 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 Adam Greener and Maverick. Um, so we'll, we, look, right. we, Got we're, it. We're, we're enterprising producers. Yeah. We can get just about anything. We're made, not going to make schlock. We're not going to make schlock. And there's certain things that are even, that are great. They're money makers that are hits that have put mansions in people's yards, but <laughs> right. they're just, we're not that good at that. Yeah. But uh, formats, authentic yeah. things, game shows. Right. We... All day. Social experiments. Yeah. No problem. Do you well, wish you did 60 Days In? Yeah. What an amazing, oh 100% God. great idea. I'm going to talk about that on every podcast. It's great show. Great show. I was just watching that yeah, last it's, night. It's, it's, it's genius. It's and like genius. when you can find real that things that yeah. are happening that have a beginning, middle, right. and end that will always yield Built a good. Built in stakes. It's great. Yeah. So we'll do that. That's yeah. one. That's more than a third of our business, but okay. it's one of the three things we're doing. Then we're doing that premium HBO, Netflix, Showtime, yep. um, uh, AMC, and by the way, a and doing them, History's right. doing them, yeah, Quality everybody. Discovery's doing them, CBS Doc too, stuff. my yep. friends. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, we're doing mobile, and we have some ideas in the mobile space that 
that we believe in. And when I when I look at people on YouTube making their own shows, going straight to the audience and having success, I can't help feel that we can do that too in our own way. Um, and I think if you're entrepreneurial and you're creative and you're starting a new content company in 2016, you're crazy if you're not spending at least some of your time thinking about mobile content. And so our investors um, uh, allocated or we allocated when we were raising money uh, seven figures to our own mobile content where we there can just go. make our, we're not pitching anybody and there asking them and That's hoping the they say We're making it ourselves. We're experimenting with what form it should take and we're going to build a business around it and figure out how to distribute it. I have ourselves. some ideas. I'll give you for free. I think there's some wide open spaces with brands with lots of money we look we think it's our moonshot division Absolutely. our investors look at it and go if they lose all of that money they'll probably make it up in that and a lot more in with their tv business and they have a great track record of that right we look at that no it's it's our the moonshot division that may you know be on the, the off chance it hits it's very smart yeah. look i mean you know i've had one network executive in here and i plan on having more and like my first question is like are you are you scared? I don't think we know what's going to happen. I think I think even if you could try to predict, it's probably something we don't even know yet. But I think you're really smart to yeah, be. Yeah, they're, they're struggling with the space. model a little bit. Yeah, and so the, the um, future is less certain. And I think the cable business, cable business, is a fifty percent margin business. Right, they're doing great. They're going to keep doing great. Uh, people are consuming more content than ever before. What what we're all where we all are is at the all-time peak of television predict production in the history of man. So will it go down a little bit? Well, I don't know, maybe. We're at the absolute peak. Right. It's, it's hard to imagine that it can go up, and yet somehow it does. It migrates. It takes a different form. And yes, people are going to watch a watermelon explode <laughs> on uh, 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 online, and they might not watch the 15th iteration of that same idea made in a hackneyed way. And but um, if you 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 buy the you buy the rights to that watermelon video, right. you attach Gallagher, <laughs> right. you make it a big tent. Sell it on event, Amazon. Sell it on Amazon. Kidding, kidding aside, then there's sixty days in, or right, right. Uh, or little big shots, yeah. or the or whatever right. it is. Are uh, and the business it, it ebbs and flows. You know right. the, uh, right. the the comedy business was was in trouble, and then it comes it comes roaring back. Um, there's still great TV to be made and people like to be entertained. So I'm not, I'm not worried. I will say, I think that the, in my own personal experience, it's harder to be creative and innovative in a big lumbering bureaucracy than it is in a more nimble, uh, small, lighter footprint uh, structure. And the industry is dominated by very big companies. And the UK has done a great job of, um, setting up a system uh, where producers own their shows and therefore can uh, make a good living in creating shows. And it really incentivizes a diverse array of sellers. And there's been, a, you know, and, er, since, and originality. And ever since 1996, when they repealed the, the FinCEN laws and the, uh, the networks could own their content again, um, we've watched them uh, swallow up the producers and dominate the airwaves and produce for themselves. And I'm not knocking them. I'm a capitalist to the bone. Um, but uh, I will say sometimes I think it's not in their best interest. And it's ironic. The broadcast networks tend to give 
fairer deals than the cable networks. And I think there's something wise in a healthy ecosystem benefits everybody. If you eat up all the kelp, you know, then you don't get the little like microplankton and then the whales can't live anymore. And so we need a healthy ecosystem. And I think the networks would do well to think about that. You know, we're a little company. Actually, people are being pretty good to us and the deals we're getting are fair. But the but but my definition of fair is um, is skewed by a, a rough marketplace where you call yourself the IP corporation and you're very, very lucky, no matter how mm-hmm. good your idea is, if you get to own it by the time your deal is closed. I think yeah. so, something else at cable that's sort of interesting is they um, and, and not all of the, the shops do this, but they'll I mean, they typically outsource their development right to all the production companies but then don't give them the freedom and autonomy to then go and do their thing. It's like, it's hard to have it both ways. Like you can do a lot of in-house development and have a stronger point of view, but you're going to, if you're going to outsource the development to the producers and then micromanage them to death, how can you possibly expect a, an inspired original product to come back? And the hilarious part is when they start complaining about, oh, this just feels like another crappy reality show. It's like, well, maybe the process itself there's needs one, some one, reformation. There's one network we work for that makes you, before you go into the field, write and rewrite and rewrite the scripts for every scene and every beat and every line. And they're like, well, I don't think she should say that. I think you should you should change it. And they're, for the reality show. For a reality show. They're incredibly prescriptive. <laughs> they then send... A couple, not one, not two, a couple executives into the field with you to make sure you stick to that script. And God forbid something great and spontaneous happens. They'll stop you, stop it, and make sure you get all those scenes because they might get in trouble if they don't. And then when you edit it and turn it in, they tell you, you know, our audience can smell, uh, can, can smell inauthentic. Can it, smell fake it, a mile away. It's not authentic and our audience can tell. And you go like, well, well, then why the hell did you tell me, force me to fake it? And, and no matter how many times you say that, they shrug, they laugh, and we buy them another round hoping they'll <laughs> right. order another show from us. Right. But the truth it's, of the matter is the process doesn't work. Yeah, it's, broken. it's a dysfunctional relationship. It really is. Here's the really interesting thing. If that sort of outsource development, but then we'll micromanage you yeah. worked, no problem. Right, right, but right. The, but what's happened well, over the last yeah. th- few years is a lot of those shows didn't work right. and they fail. Even the ones that they green light and pick up and air, they're not working. Right. So if if you're going to have the same ratio of failed shows to successful right. shows, Something's not working. just let the producers try yeah. it their way because you're probably going to end up with, you might end up with better shows and, and, and maybe about the same level or slightly better success. Yeah, I remember I was working on a presentation once and I called the executive and, you know, just being trained to be, you know, she's got to be involved in every minute of it. And I went, so we're thinking of doing this, you know, she lay, I lay out the whole thing and she goes, we hired you guys to go make what you want to make. And I was like, oh, hello, hello, what? Mm-hmm. Are you a network executive? You, you almost never hear that. Yeah, it was so refreshing. And by the way, we made a great tape. And a lot, look, a lot, you know? and to give credit where it's due, there are a lot of great executives out right. there. and Who really, recognize that. And yeah. well-run networks that, yeah. um, and the good networks can, you can have a shitty right. experience with them. The shitty networks, you can have a great <laughs> yes. experience with them. True. So True. It, it's, uh, it, it's hit and miss. But um, What are the biggest mistakes you think companies make you know, smaller companies like you guys that you're going to avoid, that you went in going, like, we will not do X. That is the kiss of death that you learned over the years. That's a great question. It's a good question. I think that... uh, 
We no I, podcasts. I, I, <laughs> That's our first rule. They make no money. I think. I think. I think there are two really important things. Um, uh, uh, but we've seen companies do it all sorts of ways, of course. I think one is how you spend your time. I mean, that's the truth. As a startup, there yeah. just aren't that many of you, and you have to do. You have to play so many different roles, and you have to be ruthless with how you manage your time. Um, and that's so spend spend your time on the right things, buy the right lottery tickets, and have some sort of strategy for how that's all going to work out. If your slate is only limited doc series. Not a great business plan necessarily. Might feel really good creatively, but right. not a great business plan. Um, I think the other thing is, I think it's nice to be diversified. I mean, it depends on your taste. Yeah, it's an artistic field, and so it's subjective. But right. if you get sort of pigeonholed into, hey, we're only going to make that one kind of VH1 show, I think it's, I think that can be limiting, uh, limit uh, long term. It is, but on the other hand, Eli was saying before, like you still are not going to probably do the VH1, you know, the Basketball Wives or whatever. Cause that's just we're not just not even thing. good at it. You know, right, the, right, right. the truth is Stick it's not our taste, are... and so we're not we're not good at but it. But there's right. so many different genres. Right. Like, we're doing right. game shows, we're doing comedy, right. we're doing serious doc, yeah. we're doing crime, we're doing competition, we're doing social experiment. Like, there's still a Enough lot Enough to go left. around. Yeah. A, le- a lesson we learned at the last company, um, and Aaron pointed this out to me as a producer at the time i was so fixated on making sales of getting things away that if when someone would come in front of me and we had to decide whether we'd get involved one of the criteria is can i sell it are there enough buyers to justify us getting involved and if i if if the answer to that question was yes, I was inclined to try because who knows? Again, right. my favorite stuff often doesn't work. Right. The ones I don't even understand somehow get on the air and you know, who knows? But um and so we were doing that. And then at some point Aaron said, you know, listen, I think we gotta weed the garden in terms of our development slate. He said, you know, we're we're good filmmakers. And the result is that we can polish a turd. So a B grade <laughs> idea or B grade talent walks in here yeah. and we can kind of like see how it could be great. Could elevate it. And we then make this great tape with this person that's never gonna be great. And we then go have pitch meetings and like someone likes it enough to give us 30 grand. And then we have to spend all this time making this thing that they're gonna pass on because it was never great in the first place. And so being really, really selective and tough on ourselves, being yeah. that first line of defense. And, you know, sometimes we'll make things and call the network and say, you know, I don't think there's a show here. And having the being confident enough to know you're not going to starve to death. There will be enough shows. There'll be enough ideas that we can all be honest. We don't need to hustle anybody if it's going to work. It's going to work. That was something Stephen Lambert was really smart about. Stephen Lambert does not pitch a lot of shows, but you can be sure that everything he pitches will work. Yeah. It, it may not it, hit, wow. but it's a show. It's wow. a structure that works. It's the it's the bandwidth thing. And I used to, you know, when I when I came aboard, I hadn't had this, you know, long track record of selling yet, you know, back right. in 2010. And so, yeah, at some point I was like, hey, Eli, be careful what you sell because we're going to have to actually go and make it. Oh, yeah. So if you're if you're if you're a young company and you're being ruthless about your bandwidth, you might be good at selling. But it's actually the execution that matters at the end of the day. And it's that series commission that matters. So be careful what you sell, as weird as that sounds. No, I've had two shows sell that I actually couldn't make that Mm -hmm. I had to pull the plug on before because of various strange reasons, but it's, you know, embarrassing. You're like, shit. And you (laughs) wasted a lot of time time. and and, and effort. Those are some of the mistakes to avoid. Um, Look, we know 
I, I think it takes three years. I think give yeah. yourself three years until you're making enough money that your business is self-sustaining, that you can cover your overhead. If you're lucky. If you're three lucky. years is still quick to be doing really it well. It is, but, and by the way, if it's been three years and you're still not making money, then maybe think about something else. Um, the uh, But for three, so you need three years worth of money. Um, you have to have what we found in the last company, and so we're doing it now. You got to build ahead of demand. You know, before we went out with our first pitch, we have a head of production, we have a head of finance, we have offices, we have bays. We're ready so that when you right. call us and say go, we're cutting. We're ready to go. Right. We even had a couple of junior development guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a ser- Do you guys have a series yet? Can you no, say have, what we, it is? We can't. We, we have, cannot. We have, we have two secret we series. We started shooting it yesterday. Undercover a third, series. A third <laughs> series offer, and then episodes of another thing. So we're. We're, at, we're off to a galloping start yeah. and, and like 16 projects set up. It's ridiculous. 16 yeah. projects. Holy shit. It's Amazing. Incredible. Holy shit. Yeah. Can what we say you, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I encourage cursing. So what makes the partnership work? Because it seems like you guys have a lot of the same skills that you bring to bear. We're actually really complimentary. Okay. We're, you would think that um, that because I'm hilarious and Aaron is somewhat funny, <laughs> that it would uh, that we would there be the a lot key, of overlap. The key to the partnership is letting Eli feel like he really is the funniest one in the room at any given point. That's really the secret to our success. It's true. With his faux uh, humility. Yeah, my faux humility. No, we're we're actually we have a lot of we have we have there is overlap. We're both. Um, we're both uh, passionate about filmmaking. We care about treating people well. We know that the best shows come from the best people. So find them, create an environment where they can do their best work. If you got a good editor, figure out what that person needs to not want to leave your company and give it to them. Mm-hmm. If you got a great shooter, a great showrunner, a great PA, um, so you got to build the community. Yeah. That's so. There's overlap there, um, but um, the. Aaron has more in the field filmmaking experience. Like at this point, we've been doing this for so long. We both have a lot of these things. So the, the, these are these are shades of gray. But he has a lot, I'd say he has a lot more filmmaking experience. He's much more likely to sit in the field looking at the monitor and notice something right. and say, hey, that's not right. And we need to make that better. Um you know, he could talk to you about like gain on the camera, and I still have no idea what that is. That's impressive, uh, right? Whenever they say which lights, I'm like the ones that make everybody look good. Yeah, those ones exactly. <laughs> so he's got more. He has more of that. I I I, I got to start a studio yeah. division. I got to do a startup. I have a I have a right. fair amount of business experience, right. so I've got my Yiddish cup uh, for numbers, uh, which and, is which is really helpful, actually. Of you know, Eli's sort of you know, broad business view and business sense and the ability to to plot a strategy for a business um, is really, really crucial, obviously. And sometimes what I love about the partnership with Eli is I will sometimes come with my half-baked idea for whatever, and Eli will not only make the idea better, but he'll say, and by the way, here's how we actually make it something that can be profitable. And so the idea that you have someone that... You know, with that sense of like, okay, your your little artsy fartsy thing. Here's how we make it like a mm-hmm. commercial television show is is a really key thing I think in the dialogue between us. Do you think you have more patience? I think Aaron also may have more patience. I'm I'm nice and I'm straightforward, but I can also get a little frustrated if I feel like people are being unreasonable. And I think Aaron is like better at shuttle diplomacy when things get weird and get difficult, you know, and people are being, you know, I think that what I want is just level with me, tell, give it to me straight. And that's how we'll get to the best solution. 
but that's not how most, or maybe not how everybody is wired. And so a lot of not times, in LA. Aaron, yeah, Aaron will say like, "Yay, just I'll handle this one. Maybe you don't give them both back." You know what's sho- shocking about <laughs> Eli? Take a breather. It's shocking about Eli after all these years of sort of crushing it in, in, in the business sense. Eli, like when he's making a deal, he likes to like go in at what he thinks is fair and then expects no negotiating. Right. And I'm right. like six months ago, I'm like, hey man, like people like to negotiate. Don't become an agent. They want to feel like they can win right. a little bit. You actually, right. unfortunately, have to go in slightly lower <laughs> so then they can counter. It's called a process it's and you true. have to let them engage I in I just that. like to give people what's right and fair totally. and generous. But if they want a nickel more, I'm really upset about it. <laughs> yeah. And you will freak out. Yeah. So that's, that's... I know exactly how you feel. So I've been doing these sort of like inside of the actor studio questions that I'm like Ooh. the same questions for. So, so now I'll have to do one each. Mm-hmm. Um, proudest accomplishment. This is lame, but I just had a baby daughter. And, uh, that is lame. That is lame. You think? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a baby. God. She's so cute. It's the finest Best thing, thing ever produced. produced. Yeah, I mean, Jinx. look, and it didn't, you know, look, it was, you know, 60 seconds of work for me. <laughs> and, uh, um, Folks. <laughs> it, but, um, That's a good one. That's a good one. Aaron, you you have no children. Do you have any accomplishments? Um, (laughs) Not having children with my (laughs) ex-wife was probably my (laughs) finest accomplishment. Um, I'll I'll give you an industry answer because I did think of one when you first asked the question. Honestly, and we did this together, but helping get season two of The Pitch on AMC ordered was a monumental, phenomenal, should not have happened (laughs) Uh, task um, because just season one didn't show, but rate. The ratings were... it, everyone loved it. Everyone yeah, was like right. critical. Success. Everyone in the business was like, "Oh, it's so great that you made it." Nobody showed up. Right. Nobody watched it. And the idea that they let us do it again was quite a process of of cajoling and and sort of you know well placed propaganda. And <laughs> and and we really loved that show. And yeah. for, that was my first executive producer credit. Yeah. And so. You know, it, it looked great. I mean, it was a really well done show. But yeah, I know it suffered in the ratings. It suffered in the ratings. The idea that they let us do it again right. was sort of like remarkable. And they're a cool network that sticks with good stuff. Yeah, and, and it was, that's right. And it, and it was good stuff. That's right. So biggest regret, making the second season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we convinced them to do that. Um, biggest regret? Should we say professional regret? You know what? I guess. Um, <sighs> biggest regret. You, you try to live without regrets. I, I have a wonderful life. I'm yeah. very lucky to have it. I feel great. I I don't think I have much in the way of regrets. I guess I could be nicer to my mom. <laughs> I could be I could be more patient with my crazy dad. Um, I'm a great big brother. Nothing to regret there. Yeah, biggest, biggest regret. regret. Biggest regret's a really tricky one. Um, I look, sort of let my poetry writing career just sort of go dormant, and I regret not keeping. That's that hot up. right now. It's like that and premium doc stuff. Yeah, I don't regret this, but um, Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon came to see us at Miramax, and they were pitching a show, and I was like, "This guy's never showing up for his call time. There's no show here," and you know that was a pretty big hit that walked right by the door. Now, in fairness to me, they were pitching a they were pitching a scripted show, um, but I theoretically should have been paying enough attention to realize that was a good non-scripted show but um but i don't know if i i don't know if i regret that um you know my biggest regret and i can't put my finger on it but the thing in life that i tend to regret is that moment where you're like damn it you know what i should have said 
you know what I should have done? Right, right. And I try to live my life now to avoid those moments. <laughs> and so when you're on the cusp of compromising to get along and feeling some peer pressure, I try to be honest and stick to my guns and say what I really think and what I really feel. Hopefully I couch it with enough sort of like humility and courtesy that it, I'm not giving offense, but I, I try to avoid those regrets. I don't walk out of there going, damn it, I should have fought harder. <laughs> right. I think that I, I don't know if this falls under regret, but I definitely, you know, when I transitioned from freelance to being an executive, you know, one of the hardest parts of my job, our jobs is hiring showrunners, right? Like most are hacks. Some are really, really amazing and talented, but and they're, they're, never all, available. they're never available. And so it's like the hardest thing to like get right. And it's so crucial. It's literally everything. And as a young executive, I wasn't always making the right decisions on those hires, but I thought, well, I'm a filmmaker and I can go into the field and I can like clean it up for them and it would get better. It would improve, but it was like, it was the wrong kind of reinforcement because instead of realizing, oh, you know, hey, idiot, like if you just hired the brilliant showrunner, <laughs> you, you could move on mess. to selling other shows and helping with other right. things at the company instead of like trying to take a victory lap as yeah. a current programming guy that could go in and clean up the mess for an average showrunner. And it took me, you know, a few shows of kind of screwing that up before I learned, hey, the smarter way to do it is just to hire better from the outset. Right. What's the best show you never sold? The Gauntlet. I love The Gauntlet. You like The Gauntlet? I love The Gauntlet. Gauntlet is awesome. I was going to say Faster. I like Faster, too. I, don't, I, I mean, like both of those shows. <laughs> what's The Gauntlet? I'm not telling, but it's awesome, <laughs> and we have the rights, it's and if anyone's did. listening to this and wants to order a really, really awesome show, Good not name. cheap, but awesome, uh, it's called The Gauntlet, and we're ready to come and pitch it to you. And by the way, when we were developing it, I heard the story of the guys who did Millionaire, shopping it, it getting passed on, sticking with their guns, selling it. It didn't go forward. It reverted. They sold it again. And it made me realize that... No show is ever dead. No. And when you believe That's in them, right. stick with yeah. them. Maybe the timing just wasn't right. So Gauntlet Holding on 2017. To it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. He just threw down the gauntlet. Uh, worst network meeting you ever had? Ooh. Where to begin? <laughs> Like, or it could even be, you know, borderline comical. Worst network meeting. Um, <laughs> I was pitching a, uh, um, this like event disaster series and I had convinced Lorenzo de Bonaventura, who had recently, uh, stepped down as the chair, you know, chairman of Warner Brothers, uh, to like get into reality television and this is the show we should do together because we were doing a movie together and he'd never pitch reality TV and I had insisted to Greg Lipstone that I needed to only see network presence because <laughs> of Lorenzo and the pitch was so like convoluted and terrible that whole day was like one of the worst meetings I remember oh I just thought of another one I remember <laughs> They're um, Steve McPherson looking at me and his <laughs> face like he was just looking at me like you motherfucker I'm never getting this hour back and and then but I you showed thought up, it was good while you were pitching or you realized loved the show right. I love it still love the show then we went to um 
NBC and for some reason I was like an hour late oh, and in traffic and like there's Lorenzo waiting for me. <laughs> Couldn't have been cooler. We go in to see Craig Plestis because at that point we've lost whoever's running the <laughs> network at the time. And Craig Plestis sitting under a poster for Deal or No Deal is like lecturing us about how our stakes are only money and audiences don't like that. <laughs> and deal or No Deal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh boy, this is pretty bad. My, my first pitch ah. ever was terrible though. I got thrown in the deep end. We had developed a drama and... The day before the pitch to NBC is like right when I started in TV. I bring it into my boss, Billy Campbell, for like the rehearsal. Right. And the guys leave the room. He's like, I'm not pitching that. I'm not taking that out. You take that out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And Craig, uh, uh, um, oh, man. Chris Conti was the head of drama at NBC. And I went there. And these writers had never pitched TV before. And I, it was one of my very, very first pitches. And a lot of the talking fell to me and I was so nervous. I was stammering like an idiot. <laughs> and Chris was looking at me the way you must look at your like, you know, your three-year-old trying to ride a bike. Like, you can do it. You can get the words out. And, I, and I'm just like watching myself do the worst job in the world. So that was pretty bad. Oh, good. We, uh, well, we, we were together on this one. We, we had uh, developed a show called Billion Dollar Genius, oh, was which was a competition show. Uh, an app creation competition show. Cool. And we uh, we thought it was very... We still like it. I'd still like to sell that. Um, that it's available. Give us a call. <laughs> and uh, we went and uh, pitched uh, a broadcast network who can remain unnamed, I suppose. Um, and we went in there and the network president had decided um, not even just that he didn't like the show, but that the idea that creating an app would even be an aspiration mm. was fundamentally abhorrent and and it rep represented everything that's wrong with society and the millennial generation and went on a rant like <laughs> like a 10 minute with all his lieutenants sitting around him. And then he gets through like trashing this and he turns to them and he goes, well, I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> you know, of course, they're like, uh, no, we think it's a pass also. I mean, it was hilarious. By the way, same network. We go out with a pitch. Um, <laughs> Wait, is that guy still at that network? He is, and okay. we're in business with him, and he's amazing. And he was like, he's a genius, but you will get a lecture, and he it's does awesome. Not like he likes the pontificate. <laughs> so, By the way, he's right. And, and the, the, well, the, the way, he created a million second but... quiz app, and we got downloaded like two million times the first week. Hello. You, know, you know, the truth is, we I, I'm like famous for shitting on the millennials, right. oh, like to our, our office. Yeah, like, I go the on these amazing rants about how terrible they are. And so I'm I'm in the meeting as he's shitting on the literally the philosophical underpinning for the show itself <laughs> and I'm like god he's right like what am I doing here I'm worthless like we have to I, I agree with you Paul I'm passing on the show I don't care if you want and like wanted to storm out of there of course I just like sat there and took the, took the brow beating <laughs> those are my some of my favorite pitches are to Paul we developed a show um, in the supermarket space and we wanted Ron Burkle and we knew the way to get Ron Burkle was through Harvey Weinstein. So mm -hmm. we partnered with our mentor, um, mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein and Meryl Poster, yep. um, who, you know, we grew up under at, at, at Miramax and the day of the pitch arrives and it falls to me to do a lot of the, um, talking about the mechanics of the show and to Harvey to do the sort of hyperbole and setup and how great it's going to be. But there's a lot of us. It's our agent, Stephen Lambert, and me, 
Um, and Harvey's got his right hand people and his assistant and it's Rod Burkle and Merrill. Anyway, and our agents, there's so many people that were in the upstairs conference room at NBC and we're on one side of the table and the chairs are right up next to each other so much. So there's just nowhere to go. And I'm next to Harvey and, um, and Harvey is, you know, in true form, you know, if you want to win an Academy Award for television, you know, here's what you're going to do. <laughs> that's and, that's at, possible, by the way. He forgot that that's something possible. If you're Harvey, Harvey Yeah, no, no, he it. was going to be the oh, first okay, one to win it. an Oscar cool. for a TV show, yeah. And as he's, um, I don't know if this story translates on the radio, but as he's like <laughs> pitching, he's gesticulating and he's swinging his hand and I'm right next to him and his hand is like almost <laughs> cuffing me in the head. And so I'm trying to get out of the way, but there's nowhere for me to go because Meryl's on my other side. So I just kind of like lean way over just to kind of barely get out of the way of his hand and he almost hits me. And I, from that like leaned over position, I proceed to pitch the show. Come to the end of the pitch. Paul tells us that he really likes it. He tells us why it could work and why maybe it would. And, and as we all get up to leave the room, Paul looks at me and says, hey, Eli, stick around for a minute. So I'm pretty sure that he's going to tell me that we're going to make the deal together. Here's what he's going to order. Here's how I'll work it out. So, you know, brimming with confidence, I turn to Harvey and the rest of the guys. And I'm like, I'll meet you downstairs. I'll, I'll fill you in in a minute. Um, they all leave and they, cl they close the door. And I turn back to Paul expectantly. And he was like, he was like, that was amazing. And I was like, yeah, right. Like good, good show. He's like, no, not the show. Harvey was almost hitting you in the head the whole time. I didn't hear a word you guys said. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. Great. That's where the real humility comes in, right? Yeah. That's exactly. hilarious. All right, last two questions. So best reality show on the air right now? Hmm. Or the one you most like to watch? Probably Parts Unknown for me. Mm -hmm. Such a nerd for Bourdain, mm -hmm. and 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 it's such a beautifully well made show. That's pro. That's probably. Do you know how much that DP costs? Worth every penny. Yeah. Worth every penny. I mean, they win Emmys. Yeah. Makes, yeah. I mean, yeah. we tried to get them for something. And oh, you know how much that I literally know how much. Yeah. Much. How much? I think it's twenty thousand a day. Like something. What? Something in like literally. By the way, I got a guy who'll. He's. Yeah. <laughs> I got a guy that'll do it for nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety-nine. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do it for eighteen. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just some insane amount. Wow. Best non-scripted show on the air. Um, the Trump campaign. Yeah, nice. Good answer. Good answer. And uh, actually, that segues into the last that one. Is a, is that, the, that is a good show. The worst show. one on the air. Same um, answer. Hmm. There's a lot of bad shows. Um, or like the one that you can't believe got made. I mean, let's just be honest. With with no disrespect to the networks, of course. Um, Not including some of the ones we've made. Of course. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we, made, we made some bad ones. We've made some And the last podcast, just to, to lead the witness, it was... Um, the Snooky House Flipping Show on FI. That seems like a good idea to I me. Think I think my buddy is really flips in houses. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said, I go, let's be honest. If you were brought that show, you try to sell in a heartbeat. And I'm, like, that, like, I'm like, why didn't I think of exactly. that? Exactly. Where were you yeah. on that? Exactly. How did we not get Snooky? <laughs> <laughs> I really let us down. That's my biggest regret. It's not landing the Snooky House Flipping Show on FYI. Yeah, we're doing the we're doing the uh, the situation tanning parlor show. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, good one. Well huh? done. That'll I'm be like his fourth reality show. Let's out his My less than hilarious jokes. I don't know what's a terrible show. Right. <laughs> you know, shows that are that are not about. This is a stupid thing to say, and I'm not gonna. I don't have a particular show to name, so you can just tune out at now. But 
after we made Project Runway, a year later, I called Parsons and I asked them, hey, how did it work out for you? Because I was just curious yeah. to know how our work affected them. And they were like, oh, you don't know? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, design roles are... We have like twice as many students now. Wow. And across the industry, design programs all over the country have seen an uplift. So cool. And it was the first time I realized, as naive as this sounds, that what we put out there matters and that, you know, we're... It influences people. This was now a generation of kids that knew that, that found this new career path that they didn't previously know about, and maybe it changed some of their lives. And it works. TV as a mass communication media medium works. That's why Procter and Gamble spends a couple billion dollars advertising because it actually influences people's behavior. And so, what you put out there matters. And if you make a show like Undercover Boss, which we're incredibly proud of, hopefully you're encouraging people to appreciate that. Uh, we're all equal. We're all equally important to the organization. And whether you're, you know, a short order cook or driving a bus or the CEO of a big corporation, you're no more worthy, you're no more imp important. Um, and that's that's cool to be able to put that out there and remind the world about that. Some of the shows that we make as an industry, and I'm sure I've, I've, I've made my share, um, celebrate some of the more shameful ways we behave to each other, stabbing each other in the back, back you know talking about each other behind our backs um insulting each other and um if you look around at the country and you wonder hey why is the political climate what it is well what are you doing to make it better or worse and um there's 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 a lot of stuff on the air where gross people behave in gross ways and like for me yeah it's fun to watch once in a while but i feel like i'm eating unhealthy food to, to be on a steady diet of it. And I don't know. There, I'll get off my high horse and go back to making shit a reality show. Yeah, somehow. really. <laughs> Depressing me. <laughs> Meanwhile, Real Housewives is my favorite show. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I know. It's the so By the way, the it, people have jobs. I just and think it's, it's an like, escapist. You know, it's an you know, escapist. It thing. is. Like, I know it's. I'll never forget my favorite moment was um, for a couple seasons, I watched The Bachelor, and my husband comes in while I'm watching it, and, you know, I pause it, annoyed that I'm pausing it, and he's like, you're a feminist. Like, how, how are you not outraged with this show? Is everything that you fought against and it's like celebrating the worst in women and everything. I'm like, I agree with every, everything you're saying. Now get the fuck out. I need to watch this. <laughs> right. I need to I'd like to unpause choose the like, show. Like, yeah. the rose ceremony coming yeah. up? Get out. You know, it's like... Yeah, some of it's just escapist, and it should be, and that's okay. Yeah. But but you can also make good escapist TV. I mean, I think that's... You can make good escapist TV. I think anything... I, I don't know. I cringe at anything... Where I, you know, I hear the shitty reality TV music or, you know, anything where they're like using a convention that I feel like we should have disposed yeah. of five years ago. Just I immediately tune out to that. And yeah. I know that's like a fair amount of what our industry still produces, but it, it's hard for me to hook into it. And then like once in a while, something like Naked and Afraid comes along right. and you're like, oh, that that's at least it's different and it's interesting and it's it's working on a different level. And so, you know, I, yeah. I tend to gravitate toward that stuff more. I think we've said it all. Awesome. We've said amazing. We've said that, this I mean, was more there... fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you, guys. Edit out my sanctimonious stuff and give me some of Aaron's best lines. Oh, good. We'll get like an hour back. Yeah. Edit out the thing where <laughs> I just like un- uh, uh, unintentionally <laughs> insulted the podcast. Yeah. I, I meant that as a glowing You know, I made a podcast dig too. <laughs> I just meant that we weren't going to go on any podcasts. Not that we weren't going to make any podcasts. I really don't care. It's funny. I'd like you got to go I, microphone. I, I, Come on. I, you're doing great. I'm angling for my own podcast yeah, spinoff like out of this podcast. Totally. I feel like you're geared to well enough to maybe make, have me consider you. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you're going to get you'll get the markup of the agreement you sent over and I think you'll see we, were, we had to reserve a lot of our rights I totally understand I know I should come up with a contract thank so you for having good. us thank you yeah.